amen, amen. Well, what do you think about when you think about that word miracles? Do you think about uh, the fact that when you asked your wife to marry you, she said yes? Do you think about the fact that 15 years later, she's still there? That's a miracle. Jennifer and I staying married for 28 years. It's been a miracle. God has done miraculous things in our lives to help us to stay uh, faithful to his purpose and his calling. It's hard. And if you ever, if you don't, if you know this or not, but marriage can be hard. There's another person there that has their own ideas, right? It can be challenging, but God can be right in the middle of it and can do miraculous things in your marriage. I know, in fact, I feel that with all my heart. I feel like it's very possible that there's someone here today that you're literally on a a breaking point and God brought you here today because he wants to do a miracle in your relationship. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. Some people, maybe they think of a miracle. They think of... um, Kansas yesterday beating the OU Sooners. That was an absolute miracle. I'm in mourning today. I don't understand it. And uh, my heart is broken um, over that. Uh, Maybe you think about the Cowboys making it past the third uh, game in the playoffs. That would be an absolute miracle after almost 30 years. There's lots of things we can think about that would be miracles. Um, I don't know how you grew up. I I don't know what your expectations were or what it was like. But, But for me, when I grew up, I grew up in a very spiritual environment. My parents came out of what was called the Pentecostal holiness movement. It was serious. The Pentecostal holiness, I mean, the buns on the head, uh, long jean skirts all the way down, uh, no what they called mixed bathing back in the day. Do you know what that means? That means boys and girls were not allowed to swim together. You certainly couldn't dance. Your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll. It was, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a very, very strict spiritual environment, but it was a rich heritage of wild faith, incredible faith, where I grew up in atmospheres that it was expected for God to show up and it was expected for miracles to happen. And can I tell you, for my whole childhood, for my whole life, I saw so many incredible things. Miracles were not rare to me. I remember one of the times that just struck me, um, I had a bunny named Snowflake. It was one of those, um, do you remember the book from the 80s called Bunicula, the vampire bunny rabbit that had the, the, those beady red, those demon bunnies? Remember those with the red eyes? They're all white with the red eye. I had a demon bunny named Snowflake and he was in the backyard and I was trying to get him out from behind the rose bush and I had a little stick and I was poking and I poked Snowflake's eyeball out. I'm talking like dangle out, like bad. Like I'm a, I'm a 10 year old. I am losing. I'm freaking out. We finally catch him. It's just swinging. It was horrible. And, and my, my parents come together. We hold him and my dad, my mom and my mom, literally we lay hands on the bunny rabbit. That's the home I grew up in. Well, can I tell you the, and I, I mean, like, I'm like, there's just no way. The next morning, the bunny rabbit's eyeball had sucked back up into its head. It was in there again, somehow. And it had like this film over its eye for a few weeks. And finally, the film fell off and the bunny rabbit was healed 100%. Can I tell you that changed my life if God cares about a demon bunny pet? <laughs> He cares about all kinds of stuff. I remember being 
about 20 years old and I was on the US uh, Taekwondo team and I had a huge exhibition. I was traveling with our two top level masters in our organization to do an, a massive exhibition at the, at the health fair in downtown San Francisco. Thousands of people and we were doing this big exhibition there. And the night before, Thursday night, I'm sparring with a guy in my studio and I kicked him and he blocked with his elbow and, and for all practical purposes broke my foot. I, unbelievable pain. I couldn't put any weight on it. It swelled up this big black uh, and blue. It was a horrific um, event. And I was supposed to be on a plane the next day. Now this is back in the early nineties. This is pre-internet days. I went home as a spirit filled faith Christian guy and pulled off a Strong's concordance, a Bible dictionary. And I that night wrote every single reference in the entire Bible where the world healed, heals, healeth, healing every single verse in the Bible. I wrote them out, slipped it into my Bible. The next morning, I literally taped and wrapped my foot as tight as I could because I couldn't put any weight on it at all. Slipped it into a boot and limped to the airport. Got on the plane, cracked out my big old Bible, pulled that thing out and began to read every single verse in the Bible that had the word healed in any form with one prayer in my heart. God, if you do it for them, you'll do it for me. If you do it for them, you'll do it for me. At an hour and a half into the flight, I had to go to the restroom. I get up and I was in the middle seat. Man, it's always bummer when you're in the middle seat and you gotta go. And I, I go walking back to the bathroom. I got halfway to the bathroom and all of a sudden I realized I didn't have any pain in my foot at all. I am in the bathroom jumping up and down on a foot that was broke the night before. I get back to my seat, that little sweet Catholic lady sitting next to me never heard more Jesus talk in her life about me. I, I mean, I walked her through every verse. I'm trying to pray with her and talk to her about this miracle that I just experienced. Guys, I'm telling you, I've seen it, I've experienced it so many times in so many different ways. I, I've been in events where I felt like the Lord wanted to heal people with their vision. And so I, I mentioned, I, we're going to pray for people. If you have any vision issue, I believe that God wants to heal people. I've seen people with stigmatisms healed. I've seen people with, with, with differences of, of like different um, distances and all different stuff. Well, this group of people came forward and there was a guy there named Octavio Cruz. And he is standing behind his wife. No one's praying for him. He didn't ask for anyone to pray for him. No one touched him. No one laid his hands on him. And at the end of the prayer, I asked people to look around and see if they saw anything different. And Octavio yells out because something had dramatically shifted. And, and, and he literally said, I got healed. I got healed. And I'm like, what's going on? He said, Joel, he goes, I have my entire life had the worst type of colorblindness. It's called blue-black colorblindness. And the doctors told me I would never see the world as God designed it and created it. He goes, when I opened my eyes, I saw everything in the most vibrant colors. And I've, I'm completely and totally healed. No, he never even asked he never even prayed for himself. He was praying for someone else. I've seen people that literally had situations where they had some kind of deformity in their foot and all of a sudden it's healed. I've seen blood diseases healed. I even had someone come down. It was a witch. Oh, an actual practicing witch that was in a service and heard us talking about this and to test God came down and God healed her of chronic back pain right there in the middle of it. And she was a witch, y'all. I can't explain it, but I know it's real. I know it's real. We serve the God of miracles. 
We serve the God of miracles. So why is it something that we see as rare? Let's look at a couple definitions. What is a miracle? Uh, in my research, I found a number of different de de uh, definitions. One of them said an event that involves the direct and powerful action of God transcending the ordinary laws of nature and defying common expectations of behavior. Miracles are extraordinary occurrences that can only be attributed to the supernatural work of God and demonstrate his involvement in human history. God employs miracles in the Bible to reveal himself, his character, and his purpose to human beings. Another one said that a miracle is a less common kind of God's activity. That one bothers me. In which God arouses people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. Another one said, miracles serve to point people to the one true God ultimately revealed in Jesus Christ. Their primary purpose is not to meet human need, but they are first of all theocentric, God-centric, or Christocentric, Christ-centric, demonstrating that the God of Israel in Jesus to be a supreme, to be supreme over all rivals. Miracles today, it said, seem to be most frequent in regions where Satan has had long held sway and power and where people require what they call power evangelism. And it's true that miracles, for some reason, we don't see them like they see them in other countries on the mission field. On the mission field, the fastest growing church all over the world is what would be called the Spirit-filled or Holy Spirit-empowered church. All over the world, miracles are happening because there are environments where people literally expect the supernatural. It's part of their culture. I've had many, many friends that come from Africa that in the village where they lived in India, the village where they lived, they didn't have access to medicine and they would go to a witch doctor or someone that practiced the different types of arts. That's their only opportunity is something supernatural. So when someone shows up with the real power of God, they're 100% open to it and they see miracles at a significantly different rate than we do here in the West. I don't know what it is. Is it that we're too smart or think we're too smart? Are we too well-educated? Are we too well-fed? Are we not desperate enough? Do we have access to too many things that we can just fix it ourselves, that we don't need to rely on the miraculous power of God? I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that I am dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied. I want more of what God has. I want more of what Jesus brings. I don't like living in a world where things are going wrong and we go, well, have you talked to a doctor yet? Well, man, I'll be, I'll be thinking about you. I'm sending you positive energy. I want to live in the world that Jesus lived in. I want to live in the world that the disciples lived in. They lived in a world where miracles were the regular thing. Guys, we serve a miracle-working God. We serve the God of miracles. The whole Bible, it's a story of miracle after miracle after miracle. Creation was a miracle. God created everything that is out of nothing. It's a miracle. 
The next story in the Bible, you move into the story of Noah, where there was no, it had never rained. No one even knew what rain was. And God told him it was going to rain and told him how to build a boat in the middle of whatever flat piece of land he was on. And then God broke what was called the firmament, this eco-bubble biodome thing that was over the earth. And all of the water in the atmosphere filled the earth and he broke up the deeps and all the water filled up. The whole world was flooded and God restarted humanity with eight people. Everyone that is on this planet right now comes from eight people, four couples. And scientifically, when they go back and research and they do a basic population growth, the timeline works out perfectly to the timeline of Noah that the exact population that we have right now would be the population that would come from eight people at that day and age. And that was with a 1.5 population growth, not even that big. Miracles. Then you see this guy named Abraham who's a hundred years old and God fulfills a promise and a 90 year old woman gives birth to a promised baby. Miracle. Miracle. So old that they were laughing about it. Like, God, he's dusty. I mean, come on, what? It's a miracle. Then you go on into Jacob who wrestled with God until God tapped out. Unbelievable miracle. Uh, Jacob had an, an uncle named Laban who tried to steal from him for 14 years, tricked him, and God gave Jacob a miracle business strategy. And when Jacob walked out, he walked out with all of the wealth of that land. God did a miracle. He could do a miracle in your business. If he can do a miracle for a demon bunny, he can do a miracle for your business. Then you go to the nation of Israel, 400 years outside of their lands, enslaved for centuries. God sends Moses and miracle after miracle after miracle, he delivers them, he sustains them in the wilderness, he feeds two million people and then he leaves, literally leads a nation who had been enslaved to take over a territory that he promised them that they could have and that territory, listen, if they had obeyed God then, we wouldn't have the war now. The war we're seeing right now is because they did not fully obey God and do what God told them to do back then. They left pockets of people that God told them to drive out. And they've been a thorn in their flesh for thousands of years. I'm not trying to make political statements. I'm making Bible statements. And if you can't make a Bible statement in the church, we got a problem. Jesus himself said, if you don't believe the words that I say, you don't believe the words my father said, you don't believe the prophets, at least believe the works of miraculous power that I do in my father's name. Jesus' entire ministry, everything was built on miracles. And then he made these crazy statements to his disciples. He said things to people that were his students. A disciple is a student. Are you a student of Jesus or not? To his students, he said, these signs will follow them that believe. These miraculous, powerful signs will follow them that believe. They'll speak in tongues. Oh, I'm out. That was Jesus. Jesus said a sign of his believers was supernatural language. That was Jesus. 
They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll lay hands on people with demons and cast them out. They'll have supernatural authority over deadly things like scorpions or serpents or whatever, that naturally dangerous things. Jesus literally declared that his followers, his disciples, would walk in miraculous power as a norm. But we've relinquished it to days of old. And entire denominations have been taught a demonic heresy called the doctrine of cessation. Created by someone who didn't know how to walk in the power, had no access to the power, was spiritually impotent, and instead of facing that they maybe were not communicating or touching with the true gospel, created a lie spread all throughout the church that those things just have ceased. It's cessation. They don't happen anymore. The problem with that is, who would want you to believe that? God or the devil? I'll give you a second to figure that out. I know it's a complicated question. I know I should be a little softer. In my, I'm a kind of aggressive guy. I just got to be me, guys. Jesus does not want you impotent. He wants you full of power. Jesus didn't die so you could have a belief system that left you the same as any other religion on the planet. They have no power because they don't have him. Why would Jesus go through what he went through, say what he said, make the declarations out of his mouth that signs would follow those that believe only for it to last for one century and then stop? What kind of a loving father? Jesus introduced us to a loving father. What kind of a loving father would only say to the firstborn, you get all the power and the rest of y'all are stuck like Chuck out of luck. No power for you. This one's my favorite. That's not the loving father, and that's not the Bible. It's not the gospel. Did you know there's not one single reference in the Bible that supports the demonic heresy of cessation? It's not in the Bible. It doesn't exist. In order for a truth to be true in the Bible, it has to have at least two or three witnesses. And they got one verse that they use out of 1 Corinthians that says, whenever perfection comes, then prophecy and tongues and miracles will cease. And so what they determine is perfection is when the Bible was canonized into 66 books, that's perfection, and we no longer need the power of God because we have 66 books written of what God did way back when. Can I tell you that is not perfection? Can you look around the world and recognize it is not perfection? When perfection comes is when Jesus comes. That's when perfection comes. I'm a little fired up. Guys, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of the church being a laughing stock. I'm tired of the church being powerless. Being a group of people that, that walk around and all they have is religious rules. Jesus didn't die for religious rules. He died for power to come into the world. And every one of his disciples walked in supernatural power. The problem happened when Christianity made a transition into the Roman Empire and it became a political entity and lost its power. It was never God's plan for Christianity to lose its power. And that's why you have to be careful. That's why you have to be careful 
not being more political than you are kingdom. You have to be careful being more political than you are kingdom. You have to. Because all those people are flawed. And whoever they elect next is going to be flawed. And then whoever's next is flawed. They're all flawed. They're not Messiah. They're not your Savior. Jesus is the only Jesus. And you should pray and you should vote and you should be involved and you should run for office or run for a board or be salt and light. Go and do that thing. But be kingdom. Be kingdom. One of the biggest problems with this whole idea of cessation or miracle ceasing, besides the fact that it's simply not true and miracles happen all over the world, period, all over the world, people are being healed, tongues are still happening, prophecy is still happening, people are still being raised from the dead, y'all, this stuff still happens. It didn't cease, it never ceased. It's a deception from the devil to try to trick you out of what Jesus paid for. And I know that certain denominations or people or pastors would get really offended that I called their sacred something a doctrine of demons, but I just don't care. Tell them to call me. We'll have a conversation. See, the reason that this whole idea of cessation just simply can't be true is because of something God said about himself. Malachi chapter three, verse six, he said, for I am the Lord, I do not change. I don't change. He says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was a healer then, he's a healer now. If he was a deliverer then, he's a deliverer now. If he was your righteousness then, he's your righteousness. If he was your victory then, he's your victory now. If he was your provider then, he's your provider now. If he, was, if he did miracles then, he does miracles now. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. You know what changes? We change. We change. Because we see stuff in life that doesn't make sense. Oh man, I was raised in miracles. I was raised with that crazy faith, bulletproof faith. But when my 18 month old daughter died, oh, it messed me up. I didn't know how to pray for people anymore. I, I didn't know what I believed anymore. It messed me up to see that. But my bad experience does not change who God is. God is the same yesterday to get, he's still a miracle worker, he's still a healer. I don't understand why I walked through what I walked through, but it does not take away the truth that God is a healer and he's still a worker of miracles and he still delivers people and he still sets the captive free and he still speaks in this modern day and age. I still believe because he still is and I've simply just seen way too much, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't really, really, really hard for me. Because I'm praying for someone that's asking Pastor Joel to pray. And I'm over here going, God, I don't even know what I believe anymore. Because I've seen too much. It hurts too much. So I get it. I get it. But I can't stay there. I can't stay there. See, what happens is that we start out. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus said the way to be great in the kingdom is to have faith like a child. Because children still have their innocence. They haven't realized that the world can really, really, really suck. It can just, the world can stink so bad. People can be so horrible. Anybody ever met just a horrible person? Just demons all up in them? 
We've all met them. We've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt. We've all been put through the ringer. We've all had people stab us in the back. We've, we've been through it, guys. And, we, and, and the enemy loves that because he wants us to lose our faith like a child. He wants us to be jaded. He wants us to be discolored. He wants us to see the world through discouraged eyes, through disappointed eyes. He wants us to approach God through eyes where we have decades of litigation, of case files, of why we can't possibly believe because of what we've endured and what we've been through. Oh, the devil wants us there. He would love for us to be in a position where, oh, sure, sure, God does miracles, but just whenever he wants. We don't, have any, we don't have any part to play in that. But the problem is Jesus said way too many things about the part you have to play. I always try to have one big question to challenge you, and the question is what part does our faith play in this desire to see God do miracles? Is it really only about the sovereignty of God. Listen, there is such thing as the sovereignty of God and none of us can understand it because we have, in, we have finite minds and we serve an infinite God. There is such thing as the sovereignty of God. But Jesus made so many statements. Let's look at some of his statements. Jesus said, if, 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 if your faith doesn't have something to do with it, why would Jesus say something like, be it unto you according to your faith? Why would Jesus say something like, go, your faith has healed you? Why would Jesus say, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and commit it to me? Why would Jesus say those things if it was only about the sovereignty and you had nothing to do with it? Why would Jesus say to a centurion who wasn't even a Jew, didn't have any right to God, didn't have any covenant with God, why would he say to a centurion who said, hey, I've got a sick servant at my house, but Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. I get how this thing works. I'm a man under authority. If Caesar says jump, I jump. I got men underneath me. If I say jump, they jump. You don't got to come to my house, Jesus. I get it. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus stands up, stops, time out, hold up, hold up, that right there, all you Jews, that right there, that is faith. I've not seen faith like that in all of Israel. None of you Jews have faith like this centurion. The centurion was talking about a revelation of authority. Jesus called it faith. The way the centurion believed about the power of how authority works, Jesus called that faith. And Jesus said, go, your servant will be healed this very hour. If we don't have a part to play, why would Jesus, when he went to his own hometown of Nazareth, where they tried to push him off a cliff and kill him, why would he say a prophet is of no reputation in his own hometown? Why would the scripture say that he was in awe? He had the complete reverse effect of the centurion. He was in awe of their unbelief and was unable to do any great miracles. Why would he say to his disciples, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter had just walked on water. Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come and I'll come. Jesus climbed out of the, people, people bash Peter all the time. 
they, they bash him because he was a loud mouth and he said crazy things and he put his foot in his mouth. He chopped a dude's ear off and, 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 and he denied Jesus three times. They, he did a lot of, G, Peter was the only one that had the guts to get out of the boat. He was the only one that had the courage. The rest of them sat in there shivering. Peter had the courage to step out. He actually walked on water. And then he got distracted because he probably had early stage ADHD or something. And he saw the storm and he stopped. It says he took his eyes off Jesus. Man, there's so much in that. He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. How does that work? How do you begin to sink? I mean, anybody, anybody else that grew up tried to walk on water in the swimming pool when you were a kid? You don't begin to sink, you just sink. Straight under. Jesus understands what we go through in life. That's why he came. Jesus came specifically. This is, what the, this is the most beautiful thing about this faith thing that we have. Every other religion on the planet is a set of rules and beliefs so that you act a certain way to earn yourself to God. Every one of them. What we have in true Christianity is the complete opposite of that. We don't have a set of rules to earn your way to God. We have a God that came to earth and fulfilled the, the, the rules to earn your way to him for you. We have relationship, not religion. Jesus came to earth. Jesus fulfilled all the rules. Jesus did everything and only asked us to put our faith in him, receive his righteousness by faith. And then once we have been accepted, now we go out and we produce the fruit of righteousness because we have a revelation of who we are, not what we have to earn. Guys, this is the distinctive. But the other distinctive is the power. We need to bear fruit and we need to walk in power. It's both, guys. It's not one or the other. It's, some denominations are great with the fruit. Others are great with the power. You have the gifts of the Spirit. You have the fruit of the Spirit. It, it, why, is, why, why are we at odds with each other? Why don't we just unite and come together? The enemy wants us divided. Mark chapter nine, Jesus went up on the mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. He took three of his, uh, his insiders with him, Peter, James, and John. They go up there on the top of the mountain. They, uh, Jesus is transfigured. He's transformed into his glorified body. Um, I believe it was Moses and Elijah came down and, and, and Peter, James, and John saw them all. And Peter's like, oh my God, this is incredible. Let's just build a couple little, uh, little shacks. We're gonna camp out here. Let's just stay here, never go back to town. This is awesome. And Jesus is like, no, we gotta go back to town. And so they go back down to town. And when they get there, they come up on a situation. The other nine disciples had come face to face with a scenario that they didn't know how to handle. It was overwhelming to them. It was too in their face. And, and so there was a man who had brought his son to be delivered from demons and the disciples couldn't do it. So when Jesus shows up in town, the man, the father comes and says, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't do anything about it. What's the deal? He's calling them out. Look at Jesus' response. Verse 19. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, 
How long shall I be with you? You're a little frustrated. Jesus is a little frustrated. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then he brought him to him, Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed and fell on the ground and, and he wallowed foaming at the mouth. So it would have looked like what we would consider a seizure. The, the young man was potentially an epileptic. But Jesus, this is what's interesting, y'all. In our Western culture, we pop pills for what Jesus cast out. You understand? Not a political statement, not an anti-medicine statement, but the word pharmacy is the word pharmakeo. It's the word for witchcraft or sorcery in the New Testament. I'm not an anti-medicine guy. I'll take it when I gotta take it. I'd rather take something natural. But if I gotta take it, I'll take it. I'm not an anti-whatever. But I'm telling you, we live in a world where greed runs everything. Greed runs medicine, greed runs insurance, greed runs real estate, greed runs everything. Greed runs everything. And we are, we are preached to constantly to submit ourselves to the system that makes other people rich while it makes us sicker and sicker and sicker. Not a political statement, kingdom statements. Jesus is the source. I love doctors. I'm not a big fan of insurance companies. I think they've messed the whole thing up. I love people that have dedicated their lives to helping other people get healed. I think that's a wonderful thing. But there is a big business thing going on right now, guys. Where we are preached to, we're, we're brainwashed. And we've walked away from the truth of Jesus Christ because the pill is easier. And Jesus said, my people die. The Bible says my people die for a lack of knowledge. Everything you do should be about your personal faith journey with Jesus. If your personal faith is to take medicine, then take the medicine. If you've, if you've consulted Jesus, if you've prayed, if you've, been, if you've been before the throne, you've asked him what to do, and what you believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to you is to take this medical whatever, do it. Walk out your faith. If you, if, if you feel like the Lord's leading you a different director, direction, directive, obey it. Walk out your faith. And nobody needs to be judging everybody else about whatever they feel like their faith journey is supposed to be. We're supposed to love each other and walk out our faith according to the level that we have received already. But, but you, better, you better realize that the world is evil and the prince of the power of the air is still in control and he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And Jesus is your source. And we've got to move into a place where our faith is in Jesus first. First. We seek the face of Jesus first. 
Nothing wrong with going to professionals. But are you going to professionals without going to the one who created it all in the first place? Seek him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you as well. Seek first the kingdom. Jesus asks, how long has this been going on? He said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him into both the fire and the water to destroy him. But if, but if you can, but if you can do anything, Jesus, if you can do anything. I want you to hear the desperation of that father. He's tried everything. He's done everything. If you can, Jesus, do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, believe. I love how Jesus just flips stuff on us. Jesus, if you can, mm -mm. if you can, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Watch this, watch this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said to him with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Oh, guys, that's real right there. That's real faith right there. See, one of the problems with how I was raised in the super charismatic uh, world of the 80s and 90s in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was, and, and, and it was the, man, the, the birth season of the name it and claim it vibe and everything that was, and look, man, I'm telling you, I grew up in all of that. And it can go too far one way but it can also go too far the other way. And there is absolutely something to making declarations out of your mouth or the Bible wouldn't have so much of it in there and we wouldn't be commanded and told and taught to do it. So it is real. But the problem with how I was raised is I was raised in, inside of the church Sunday school classes where if you prayed a prayer, or if you made some kind of a faith declaration and then you had any doubt whatsoever that you just ruined it, you might as well, you have to start all the way over. And, and we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about this as we walk through this series. Because this is real talk. Because we're facing real stuff. And sometimes the stuff that you're seeing before your eyes is so overwhelming and so overpowering that your faith is just crushed by what you're seeing going on inside of your children's lives or inside of your marriage or inside of your business. And you can be crushed with what you're seeing. And that's why the Bible says we walk not by sight. We walk by faith. Sometimes we have to close our eyes to the natural and see the supernatural. Sometimes we've got to close our ears to the natural world and hear from the supernatural world. What is Jesus saying about my life? What's he saying about my finance? What's he saying about my future? Doesn't mean you're in denial. It doesn't mean your head's in the sand. It's because you and I are called to live according to the teachings of Jesus. And the teachings of Jesus are teachings of miracles. They're miracle stories. Help me with my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, an, a spirit of epilepsy, a spirit of seizures. Watch what he calls it. Deaf and dumb spirit. I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly. Come on, don't you know sometimes it gets way, way, way worse before it gets better. 
convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead. And so that many said, he is dead. Have you ever been looking at a situation and it looks dead? A marriage that looks dead. A relationship with a child that looks dead. A business scenario that looks dead. Friendship that looks dead. Your personal health situation looks dead. But Jesus. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I believe that today is a day, and I'm done preaching. And I want to open these altars up, and I'm going to ask some of our... Um, it's just mature spiritual uh, people in the church, some of our departments, heads and small group leaders and some of our leadership team. And, and it, it just it, people, if you're, if you're here and you know you're a mature spiritual person that knows how to pray for people and has faith for, for God to do miraculous things, you're, you're welcome to help us pray. I believe this is a but Jesus day. Maybe you're looking at some stuff and it looks real dead. I think this is a but Jesus day. I think this is a but Jesus season. I think this is a but Jesus finish to the rest of our year. I think this is a but Jesus new MO for how we do church at Oaks Church. I am absolutely dissatisfied. And if we as a church are not going to move into the place, if we're not going to move into the place where we step into the fullness of what Jesus designed for us to walk in, what he demonstrated for us to walk in, what his disciples demonstrated him to walk in. I don't want to do it. Oh, there's a whole lot of other careers that are way easier, maybe way more rewarding here on earth. If we're not going to do this thing for real, let's not do it, man. Let's all just go to Gateway. It's a great church, man. Great pastor, great preacher, great everything. Let's go to Life Church. Great preacher, great everything, great worship. If we're not going to distinctly be who God has called us to be, then let's just not do this. Or maybe God called us to be something different and distinct. Maybe there's a reason we're in this city. Maybe there's a reason we're in this, this region. Maybe there's a reason that it's you and me and it's we and it's us. Maybe there's a reason that there's something in you that makes me better. Maybe there's a reason there's something in me or, or in Jennifer or in Tyler or in Jaylee or in Joe or in who. Maybe, maybe there's a reason that there's something in us that makes something in you come alive. And maybe there's a reason that we're all in this together and we're in a season where God is calling us to look at things that look dead and say, but Jesus. But Jesus, but Jesus. 
Man, you will never hear me speaking bad about another church in town. I have great friends in all of these churches that surround us. These are my friends. I love them. And they do what they do. And they're vital for our community. But let me tell you, we're here on purpose for a reason. And God has called us to be a house of miracles. The reputation for this church is supposed to be all around the city. Man, people get healed at that place. Marriages get restored at that place. Kids come back to faith at that place. Uh, Man, people get absolutely restored and healed and all kinds, man, oh, you, you're going through that in your life, man, you should go over to Oaks Church because that stuff happens all the time at Oaks Church. I can't speak for any of the other great places, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I believe God is calling us into a season. And listen, Jesus said that it's, that this thing only comes out, these things only come out. This miraculous release in our church will only come out through prayer fasting and I just want you as you walk through the season I'm going to pray and then we're going to open up the altars and, and we're going to go back into worship and I promise they won't play that disco song from Hot Chocolate did you know that's who sang that? Hot Chocolate Kevin knew we'll play real worship but I, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit maybe there's, a, maybe there's something that God is calling you to fast in this season maybe there's something he's calling you to give up it's definitely not football. Not, that's not football. That's not until Jan. He only, call, he only calls us. I'm just joking. Could be a hobby. Could be a habit. Could be, could be a, a, a speech pattern or a way that you talk. I don't know. Something that he's called. Could, could be a way that you spend your free time. I just believe that if we're as a church body, prayer and fasting is how we're going to see this. Doesn't have to be crazy extreme. Just obey God. Do whatever the Lord shows you. But I got something the Lord's working on my heart that he wants me to just lay down. Just lay it down because I don't want anything in my life to hinder me. I don't want to be there looking up at Jesus and he's looking at me going, you faithless generation, how long must, my God, Joel, you bonehead. When are you finally going to, God didn't talk to you like that? Every once in a while, every once in a while. No, he got frustrated with his disciples sometimes because apparently he had been fasting with Peter, James, and John. They'd been fasting. The other ones had been down at the buffet or something and weren't taking their time serious in that moment. They couldn't deal with what was on their doorstep. I believe God is bringing us something to our doorstep that we need to be prepared for. Amen? Let me pray for you real quick. And I'm just gonna ask uh, any, any, any leaders in our church, if you're, you're prime and you're ready to pray for people, just come right down front. As I'm praying on this specific thing, just come right down front and be ready. We're gonna go right back into worship just for a few minutes. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you move? Holy Spirit, would you reveal inside of our hearts and minds the things that we need to shift, the things that we need to change? Father, if there's anything for us to lay down in this season, anything for us to fast in this season, Father, right now, speak to us and reveal to us and show us and give us, give us the willingness. This is what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. Joel, are you willing to lay that down to see the miracles? Are you willing to give that up to see the miracles? And for, my, for, for me, my answer is yes, I'm willing to lay that down to see the miraculous release of what God wants to do inside of our church, inside of our homes. It's not just about our church. It's about your home. It's not about just God's home. It's about your home. The miraculous release of what God wants to do in your home, through your home, through your business, through your relationships. Father, bring us to a place of submission before you. 
Jesus' name. And we're just going to open.